Welcome to the Bricolores Notebook, Episode 2, which we are calling the Contents of Table. Hi, Don. Hi, Jack. Good to be back with you on this uh, podcast. And uh, here we are again, sitting actually around the table with our microphone on the table uh, that we're going to talk about. Why does this table exist? You had a table here. I did have a table here, but it wasn't a very good work table. It was perfectly functional, but didn't have a lot of interest. And I thought, if I had a table here in my kitchen that was interesting and inspiring, then I'd have more available workspace for writing. And so I had this idea for quite a while, and I saw a table made by Jack Eastwood that was owned by artist Tara Bryan. And I thought, oh my goodness, it was absolutely unique. It had inlaid features and so on. I thought, that's the sort of thing I want in my kitchen. And it would make my, oh, it would, it would make me more, if I need a boot in the butt to get working on, you know, anything, poems or essays or whatever. <laughs> and I thought, another workspace would get me out of the study, but I'd still be at work. And so that's part of it. Yeah, Tara had a, a 1950s set of furniture. The furniture was Danish modern. And she wanted me to do something with it. You know, what can you do with this table? I, this is a boring old table. Yeah. And it looked like teak when, it, when I actually started to take it down. It wasn't teak. It was made to look like it. She asked me to do something with it. And Tara was a bookmaker. She made unique books, outfolding accordion books. Uh, she made a book with an egg carton with 12 eggs in it. Each of the eggs was one chapter and she wrote the chapter around the egg and then dyed it. And (laughs) so the book was 12 eggs. One of the eggs broke. And so there was only 11 chapters left. But she said, that's okay. That's the way it is. That's the book. Yeah. So she wanted this table and she was a bookmaker. She had two dogs. She's an environmentalist. She was a very, very creative woman, a brilliant creative woman, and she asked me to do the table. And so I did inlay in the table, which had a, an accordion book in it, a, a, a jack-in-the-box, was juggling eyes, ears, and nose. Walking bird. A walking bird, walking a bird huge bird. walking bird, because her press was called Walking Bird Press. Yes. They were all inlaid. They were inlaid in colored woods, in different woods, in stone, yeah. and... Did you use the pyrophyllite for that too? I used pyrophyllite yeah. in that, yeah, yeah, which is a what they call a Newfoundland talc. Some people probably have had it for talcum powder, but they no longer use it for that. No. Anyway, that was the genesis for you seeing a table thinking, oh, well, I could have something such as that. Yeah. And then you came to me. In the interim, the tree in our community garden right next door died. Dogberry. It was quite big for a dogberry. It died. It had been dying for a while. And I went out one day, put my hand on it, and the tree went back and forth, back and forth. Oh, oh, it's going to fall on uh, Josephine Brazel's house, so we better take this down. So we did have to take the tree down. I quite lamented the loss of this tree. And I thought, well, what if part of that tree became part of the table, which now is becoming a little more concrete in my mind as a possibility. And the centerpiece of this table is dogberry, piece of dogberry from that dying dogberry tree. Yes, and perhaps it's best to, to give 
for the listener a sense that it has three pieces of wood. It's one of the elements to it, which is very common these days, is called live edge. And two are spalted beech. And for people who don't know what spalting is, that when a tree falls and starts to decay, the fungus funguses that grow on it, they begin to eat into the wood. As they eat into the wood, they darken sections of the wood and the wood becomes spalted, which it has black lines that looks like somebody's taken a pen and written all over it in various beautiful patterns and forms. And it also starts to break down other sections of the wood around the knots in the spalted beach. The knots rotted out first because they had over time fallen out. And this spalted beach was, the tree was felled by myself and a man named Jim McSheffrey on the back of the Jesuit property in Guelph, Ontario, while we were felling trees to build a house and also to get Mm. some timber. And this old beach, which was somewhat rotting, I had took to the sawmill and had it cut up and I had these planks and had them shipped to Newfoundland. So I went and I salvaged these two and then I kept them for another 20 years in the basement and Don asked me with the table. So these two pieces came out. I said, well, we could use these two pieces. They are approximately 12 inch slices. That's and, a very large slice, isn't it? I mean, uh, well, it's, they're not, they're not from the center of the tree. They're from closer to the outside. But the tree was, yeah, that in girth, the tree was probably about 16, 18 inches. A lovely bird, a lovely beech tree. A that big be, beech tree, yeah, yeah, which big, had, yeah. which had, as I said, it was dying and it, it's similar to yours. So the, both of the tree, all of the wood from this, uh, in this table is from trees that had begun to die. And when you asked about a table, I thought, well, okay, and what about these planks? And they weren't, 12 and 12 is only 24. That's not wide enough for a table. So the... So the Dogberry uh, came to our assistance, and now it's in the middle. So the table becomes wide enough so that you have two planks on which you could put 10 people at this table. Yeah. The process is what we're interested in, and I guess we're explaining some of that process as a concept of bricolage. Planks, which came from two different trees in two different time periods, one back in the 1980s and one in the 20... Yes, 2017. ...were put together then, and because it was spalted, it needed to be treated carefully, and something needed to be done to fill the holes where the knots were, which is what Don said. Well, I said, well, you can put anything in there you want. You know, you can put another piece of wood. And Don said, I have some rocks that would be very interesting to have in this table. And while I'm sitting here trying to ponder, I can look at, you know, these special rocks that I have collected. I, I, I thought the you know, the spalting also is a really interesting aspect of this because the table obviously has historical stories connected with it, including the story of Tara and including the story of Jack and Jim McSheffrey cutting it down. But also, um, the spalting takes us back to the sort of like biological history of the tree. And, and it calls for a sort of special eye 
to see Spalding as aesthetic and artistic and part of the tree's history, as Jack was saying, whoever appropriated the lumber from that basement just saw it as rot. They didn't see it as design feature. They didn't see it as me. When I'm looking at it now, I see waves. I see sunsets. I, I, see, I see, actually, it's kind of like a snapshot of natural process itself, the process of decay. So I'm, that's part of the table's great appeal, is that spalting. Yes, when I see a tree laying down and perhaps rotting, other people think, oh, that's an old rotten tree. I say, what is written on it? Ah. What is written in it? Ah. And when you cut it open, that's when you see what's written in it. There will be, on our website, there will be pictures of spalted wood that you will see where I cut into the wood and out of the wood comes a dog. Right. And uh, you will see the picture of the it's a ghostly dog uh, running through the wood, but uh, it has the title, Ghostly Dog Ran Through My Dreams. Uh-huh. And you will see that uh-huh. I did not have to do... There is not one bit of my artistic talent in that, put onto that piece of wood. It's in the wood itself. And, it, and you can see it. We, a friend's son came over the other day and he said, I see four things in there. And then he listed all the four things he saw. The first thing he listed was the dog. And uh-huh. I thought, this is perfect. Instantly, people see, they kind of see what they see, but everyone sees the dog. Ah. And uh, so it, I, didn't, I didn't make that piece of art. That piece of art was made by nature. I just found it and displayed it. Yes. And this table has that same kind of essence. There is so much beauty in the way the natural processes of breakdown of fungi and everything else that uh, breaks down wood has written on the surface and in the tree itself. And you can't, you can't find that. You can't, you can't recreate that. It's there. I couldn't do that as an artist. There would be no way to do it. But here it is. Here it is. Under Don's fingers, <laughs> under the microphone. So there we have the first elements to this. We've got plants from two trees, and we need to do something then to make a table out of it. Let me just add to that, if you don't mind. That's like, when I see this, I see flow. And when I'm sitting at it, it seems it's flow, it's process. And what I'm wanting to do <laughs> is, is actually stimulate process when I'm right. And so it's, the flow of the process is also like, well, as you were saying, it's part of the actual life of the tree as the tree ages. Fungus is not an unnatural activity. It's part of the natural process of the tree being aged and the tree returning to humus, whatever you, whatever that word is. It's not, it's not the stuff you eat. Back, the dust return, to dust, return, ashes to ashes. It's returning, it's, it's it's returning to, to soil. It's returning it's to soil and it's energizing the soil. So we've got a photograph in a sense of this tree in the middle of that life process rather than as most tables, etc., are clean. Tree, tree, Clean, yeah, that's the word, in the prime of life. Here we are, aging geezers, uh, embracing the spalting of the tree. <laughs> in the same way, oh, we're both very healthy about this, 
we're both we're, we're engaging the aging process. Yes, and as you can hear occasionally in the background, you might hear the chairs we're sitting on creaking because they're in an aging process too. <laughs> so uh, if you do hear that, that's just the chairs as we're moving about sitting on them. Now, then every chair, every table has legs. Every table has a stay between the legs to hold them from splaying outwards or in either direction, away on the length of the table or out on the other and the table going flat on the ground, plunk. So you need something to stay it. And the stays on this table are made from spikes. And when I say spikes, these are big spikes. They are 14, 16 inch long yeah. spikes right. that came from a slipway. And, and those who don't live in the maritime climate won't know what a slipway is. But a slipway is what you build, in, if you don't have a natural rock one, you build a wooden slipway when you come out of the water, you haul your boats along this inclined slipway to get it out of the water, to get it to safe above high tide so that uh, your boat doesn't wash away. And uh, they, they would take big timbers and then they would drive these spikes through the timbers. Well, in Little Heartseeds, there's the one that's abandoned because people do not fish from that anymore. Fishing has kind of died. And this was one of the places where it was gone. And this, the timbers and the everything that they built it from have broken down. Now, I might have hunted for some that were spalted, but most of them were way beyond that they were. <laughs> yeah. So I just pulled out spikes from the rotted wood, thinking, okay, I'll use these someday for something. When was that, Jack? That was, oh, about six years ago or something. I have a uh, uh, contents of table. You were, at that point, you recalled it as being uh, 2010. 2010, okay, well, 2010. Like so it was years seven ago. years before we built the table. Also, we needed legs, and we were doing this from gathered wood, and I had a pallet. It was made from birch, which is a, a hardwood, yeah. and uh, there were pieces in it that were long enough for the legs, so we made the four legs from that. The spikes go through the legs, into the stay, two bolts, close them up and tighten them so that they can't move. And then there is a piece of steel that's welded and goes from the center of the stay out to the edges of the table to stop it from moving laterally back and forth. And it's actually <laughs> an incredibly stable table, more than most tables. It is. When you bump most tables, your, your tea or coffee will spill on it. Well, you can bump this one and it's not going anywhere. Considering it's many so, non-uniform part tables, extraordinarily steady. But the, the process then, as you see, was a process of, over time, having one element. First, in my basement, was the wood from the spalted beach. Then the spikes and the pallet. Then we went from there to assembling them and creating the, the legs and attachments. There are two spikes that are also attached and bolted to the legs at the top. Instead of a skirt under the table, ah. there are spikes that are welded together and then welded to the... Here, here's the old man's problems. Yeah. I can't think of the names of things when they <laughs> need them. But I was going to mention, I was going to say, it's true, like this is a large theme in this table is the aging process. What with the spalting and the rusting, 
of the spikes. We have kind of like major elements here which are giving credit to and valuing aging itself. Yeah, well, it's three-quarter inch flat bar. So it's good that you forgot that uh, the name, Jack, <laughs> because you're right in you're right in the you're great great cohesion. Yes, of if, theme you, if here. you're if interested in seeing the pictures, which would help you greatly, they are posted right here on our website. Take a look. Yeah. Now, as Jack said, a couple of the places where the spalting had been quite intense, there were holes, and these we filled with some difficulty. You know but we filled them with these rocks, which were from my rock collection, a very casual rock collection, but important. So, um, Don, what, why, why do you collect rocks? Why are you interested in rocks? Oh, man, I've been, I got afflicted by, you might say, or obsessed by geo geology and geologic processes. And, and, and time, in, and over time. Over time, yes. Yeah, so, over so, how much time? Well, yeah, I guess I got afflicted by this back when I lived in Vancouver Island as a kind of nature writer to engage the earth in terms of its ancient, deep time uh, processes. And so Newfoundland, when I came to Newfoundland, Newfoundland was just like opera <laughs> for deep time. It because, partly because it doesn't have a lot of overburden of soil and it doesn't have a lot of overburden of trees. So many of the rock processes are already eloquent. The tablelands being a good example. And one of those rocks actually came from the tablelands. It comes from a very, very crucial geologic phenomenon called the Mohorovicic discontinuity, or the Moho for short. And so you can actually see on the tablelands, if you walk up there, you can actually find the place where Earth's mantle and Earth's crust connected. So what's the mantle? Is that the top? The mantle is, is the, the core. Man the mantle is closer to the core, and the crust rides on the mantle. Since the tablelands are what they call an ophiolite sweep, that's when, usually when the Earth's uh, plates collide, the oceanic plate goes down because it's heavier. Whereas the Earth's crust is a lighter rock, it stays up. But at the tablelands, oceanic crust has ridden up. So it was a huge force that drove it to the surface. A huge force that drove it to the surface, and there it is. And because it's mafic or ultramafic, it doesn't break down into soil and so on the way continental crust would. So it's standing there, this huge, great, well, rusting, actually rusting, as the peridotite weathers, it rusts. Wow. And so you've got that, what looks like a big rusted hulk of the tablelands out there. And there's only four places in the world where this has happened. Something like that. They're quite rare. So this is one of the main rare features of Newfoundland geology, which makes it so operatic for somebody who's become smitten by rock and rock processes. So I was there and I visited the Tablelands and I realized, I've, been to, I've actually been up in the Tablelands and seen the place where the Earth's mantle and Earth's crust collided in the old days. And you can see there's peridotite, which is a little more greeny gray and gabbro, which is gray, and at the, so you can imagine right at the edge of this you have both of these together, whereas on one side you've got the peridotite, the other side you've got the gabbro, and that is called the Mohorovicic discontinuity. So if you go up there you can actually see this place where there's the two together. So now, the, if you're up there you're actually looking at something 
that is way, way, way in this near the core of the earth. It's sort of like three miles down. <laughs> and this one, and this one is a mile up. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it traveled thirty-one miles to get there. It's a mecca for geologists. And yeah, I, yeah. I was walking not up on the tablelands, but on the other side at uh, Trout River Pond. I picked up this interesting rock. That's part of the table. This that's, in, that's embedded there. So the what Moho we discontinuity. Yeah. Yeah. What we have is an old piece of wood with an ancient, ancient, ancient stones in it. Yeah. Exactly. And because of the concept of time being embedded into the table, and again, as we said, everything has a story, and that's the story of some of the stone. There's another piece of stone that, which is from what they call the talc mine. It's actually a stone called pyrophyte, pyro being fire, and it's a mine that's in Foxtrap near here. It's a very soft stone. It often was used to make talc. It's a disused which, mine, right? Uh, no, they've reopened it. Oh. But uh, the talc was then shipped off and it was ground down and was used somewhat for talc, but talc is now, they don't use it because they know it's toxic for babies and such like that. So it's not used anymore, like in baby powders and things. But it was used for making tiles, like the tiles that you have. Uh, you see that you put on uh -huh. the kitchen walls, they're yeah. white, and the yes. white, the whiteness in behind, and then they glaze the top of them. Well, that's made from pyrophyllite, uh -huh. from the talc. So, so there is a piece of talc embedded in this table. And again, uh, Don can explain the process of how talc is made, but it's also bringing in part of Newfoundland that is ancient into this table. Now there is one other element of this table that isn't so ancient, but is very interesting. Uh, Don can tell you about it because at some point it was in the backyard here. Yeah, over, uh, right over there, underneath where the bananas are, there's a little tiny green dot. And that green dot is the end of a clothesline that was once around the tree. It, it's in the, it, sorry, I should say, it's in the dogberry part of the table. And the tree grew around the clothesline and preserved forever, well, not forever, but for some time, this relic of the old, old clothesline. Which had been long gone because long gone. Uh, yeah. the tree was probably, it was right almost through the center part of the tree. So it had been there for 30 or 40 plus years, which again is another element. Many people would say, ah, you can't have that in your table, but... Uh, Why can't you have that in your table? Why can't you have stone? Why can't you have an element in your table or elements of your table that you know the history of and that have a story behind them? Because when you sit at it, when you're there, it's still speaking. It's still yeah. talking. And that if you want to spend enough time, we'll tell you its story. And that's why a store-bought table doesn't tell you its story. It's functional. That's fine. We mentioned that in the first podcast. But something else has a story and it's related to you, which, okay, uh, not everybody has the money to do this, but I think everybody has the desire to have things that tell them a story. That's why they bring various things home 
and they can say, oh yes, that was from, we picked that up when we were on the beach in, uh, you know, Little Heart Seas. And yeah. it, so they're embedded memento ah. in a way and yeah. are part of the story. And, and everything in the table has a story. That's why the table has a little booklet with a leather pouch. The leather pouch being a piece of a leather glove that I believe at one point belonged to my father and ah. it has stitching in the back and I just cut the piece of leather off the back of the hand and we've made a little pouch and we put the little fold-out book in which has the, as Don put it before, a little pun contents. that he made, the contents of table as opposed to the table of contents. So this item has its own contents of table. So wherever we look on this table, really, we're finding another whole, well, it's almost like another whole rabbit hole which opens into its own story or its own history. When you were telling a story about cutting down the beach, the Spalton beach initially, you were cutting that down with Jim McSheffrey. Yes. And you mentioned that, that and I just thought, oh, yes. And Jim McSheffrey, we could follow that up. That's another whole story there. Yes, Jim was an exceptional man who deserves his own podcast. Deserves his own podcast, yes. Again, he was a bricolage. Although, we have to, we have to, full disclosure, we are not going to make the universe into bricolage. <laughs> even, even if it was designed and happened that way. Well, yes, well, good point, good point. Here we are trying to be orderly about something which is like, yeah, I mean, evolution itself. Right? <laughs> well, we should have another whole episode on evolution as bricolage. Or, I mean, we started off this way, we could do a whole episode on Tara Bryant, who was, whose table preceded this table, was part of the inspiration for me, and it was yes. actually going and we, we will post enough. pictures of both tables and pictures of how they were constructed, and you've heard how they've come together. So... I think that's basically what we have to say about this table and it as an example of bricolage as we see it, the coming together over time and because this has rocks from millions of years ago, uh, did the rocks know that they were going to be in this table? Well, then you'd have to think about the sentience of the earth. And uh, most people don't do that, but I think if we did it more often, we might treat the earth better. So um, we're going to <laughs> sign off from this podcast, and uh, we'll invite you back to the next one, which will be probably, it will probably be about a novel that disappeared. Excellent. Excellent. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please come back. If you didn't, Blaine Sally.